uh, thanks for joining us for another intriguing edition of the stack that perhaps you can help solve a mystery. And I did a, I did actually start that as a question. Like I wasn't sure. What's up guys? Stack back back for another week. Uh, this week we're covering season three, episode 20. 20. We're almost to the end of the season. And I cannot wait to watch another one of those bad movies. Dude, there's so many to choose from. Like, I don't, I don't even know which I one we're know. gonna do. But um, this is gonna be. Yeah, this is let's do them all. We should fuck it. <laughs> just take a little break and just watch some shitty movies. Um, so yeah, season three, episode twenty. I'm David Howell, and joined by Eli. What's up, Eli? What's up? Home is always working, and Rodan and Beaumont, Texas, hold up in the middle of fucking nowhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we have a listener here, right? Or had? I don't know. Oh, well, according to SoundCloud, it said Beaumont. It doesn't tell you the state, though. I bet you there's like 50 different towns named Beaumont in the U.S. You know, I think it isn't there one in Georgia, Beaumont, Georgia. I'm sure that, that sounds that, that did, sounds right. Did, did I just make that up? <laughs> we have a pretty it was like three cases today. It's pretty good. It's pretty interesting. Oh, I'm so I'm excited. You know why? Because there's no lost loves. Yeah, there's no bullshit treasure. This is just no good old fashioned murder mystery. And kind of urban legend. I don't Sci-fi. know what that first one was, but uh, yeah. Um, but something we haven't talked about that we just kept forgetting because we've been putting episodes out like sporadically is this fucking unsolved mysteries <gasps> reboot. How have we not talked reboot? about this yet? How have we the not reboot. talked about this yet? The reboot. And hopefully, we've just been so busy. What would you do if it was a proper reboot? Like somebody played Robert Stack and they just did the cases over with just like, dude. With like nineties, like nineties theme, it was that'd a, be really funny. It was a nineties period like, piece. They do they, <laughs> they do all their get up in nineties. It's gonna be good. Bullshit. That would be bullshit. But yeah, no, we're excited. Ten episodes, each episode just focusing on one case, right? And do you, um, do you know what that means? That don't. means we're not going away for a really long time. Oh yeah, because you know people are gonna watch the fuck out of that. I mean. There's so yeah, much. We, yeah, there's are. so there's so much good true crime offerings on Netflix alone. So okay, we have to come up with a game plan. Are we going to do like new case, old case, new case, old case, or are we just going to get to it when we get to it? I think it would be smarter to do new old, or I don't know. Once once they drop, we're taking a ten week um, stack hiatus, and we're gonna we're gonna cover them. You know, we got to be current. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. And then we'll go back. They're not, those episodes aren't going anywhere. <laughs> I think it'll be okay. Yeah, it's going to be good. Who are we going to get as I hope, our I hope host? they get a, they're going to get a salt. They, they have to choose a solid host. If not, I'm burning and canceling my Netflix subscription. How would it suck? Like, who could be yeah, a, sh- who would be a shitty host? <laughs> um, Guy Tom Fie- Green. Guy Fieri. <laughs> well, you know, Stranger, uh, well, you know, Net Netflix likes to um, Netflix likes to keep uh, you know people employed that they already have on shows, and the guy from Stranger Things is hosting. I would be surprised if we get like a Matthew Modine or maybe even uh, what's his name, Paul Reiser. <laughs> Paul Reiser, <laughs> or what's what's his name, uh, Hopper, um, oh, David yeah, Harbor. We could, get, we could get David Harbor. <laughs> he could kind of be. It. He could kind of be like a perfect. Uh, Medium between Robert Stack and Dennis Farina. <laughs> Dennis Farina. I um, like it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I bet you it'll be somebody from a Netflix something. I bet. That's the only. So. But that's pretty vague because they make like a trillion shows and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they do. It can't suck. It, it has the Netflix money, so. Oh, no, yeah, that, it's going to be cool. I'm excited. I'm not. I, and Sean Levy is going to make it and produce it. It's going to be. Yeah, I think I'm not worried about the quality at all. Let's get back to the 90s, motherfuckers. What'd you do if like Pee Wee Herman was the host over Robert Stack's oh, dead sick. dick? <laughs> well, yeah, either way, it's gonna be over Robert Stack's dead dick. Fuck. Okay, what's up, guys? <laughs> um, this first case is the unexplained, and we're gonna be talking about. Edgar Casey, who cured shit in his sleep with no medical knowledge. <laughs> he sleeps on books and retains the knowledge. Yeah. Fuck, man. I wish I had that skill set, man. In high school, I would have... Fuck. 
High school would have been like you ten and I, times easier. You and I would have ruled that French class. <laughs> he slept on books. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Now I know everything. That's so fucking stupid. So Edgar Casey cured shit, like I said. Um, and th- we get a couple of the instances. You know, there was a lot, but w- um, in this dealing in this time in the '90s when this case was when this case aired, it's. Uh, they talk about some more modern uses of Casey's methods, if you will. Um, starting um, with uh, Kathy Kimura. And, and she had, uh, she had, she just noticed that she had like a blur in one eye and it, and it started getting worse and worse until she went to the doctor. She was diagnosed with optic neuritis, which has no cure. And the doctor recommended steroids, but she was like, no. And steroids, you know, it's not just all about getting buff. Like, I don't know why she was like, fuck no, not steroids. She didn't steroids. want to get juiced up. All right. <laughs> she didn't but want. Anyways, she didn't want her penis to yeah, it's not like she, shrivel. Yeah, she, it's not like she was like a bodybuilding competitor or something. What happened to? Um, she's like, no, I'm all natural. It's like, bitch, it's for your eyes. What happened um, to Kathy? Oh, she passed away from eye eye roid rage. Yeah, her eyes were always just throbbing. So Edgar Casey, um, basically was this guy who in the 20s with no medical training um just started like guessing shit in his sleep like he would he there were readings he called them the unorthodox doctor that she went to was consulting edgar casey's uh findings and he found this thing that said you know he like massaged her neck a certain way the story behind it is as a teenager he became traumatized or actually and it was what his early 20s um, he suffered some type of trauma where he didn't speak for a year. And uh, Yeah, what the fuck is that about? And his family, like, sent him to, like, he went to all these doctors and specialists and they couldn't figure out, like, why he wouldn't speak until they decided to, hypno- like, hypnotize him. And, like, in his hypnosis, he self-diagnoses himself. He's like, yes, hmm. we have the body right before me and I am examining it. And it is the yeah. uh, pressure of the yeah, muscle on the throat that needs to be removed. Yeah, he spits so up blood. It was a blood. paralysis of the interior vocal cord muscles. And then he, like, coughed up a little bit of blood. And then he was like, hello. And then he spoke for the first time and everybody clapped. <laughs> hello. <laughs> but before that, he, when he was 13 is when he falls asleep on his school book and is like, Oh, and then his son says, "From from then on, he would just fall asleep on a book, but he would just ace his classes. He was like, he used to be a bad student, now he's a good student." So apparently, once people wanted to like get like, "Hey, hey, yo, tell us the scores to the horse race at the big game at the you know at the front at the fuck, I don't know. I need the winning lottery numbers." Yeah, and then he started being very, very offended by this, and was like get out of town like how dare you fuck off with that how dare you i will never do another reading as long as i live so after this he moves to alabama he becomes a photographer he gets married he has some sons and hugh lynn his son of eight years was injured terribly in a dark room explosion um his brother says that he was playing in the studio when he dropped a match in a flashlight in a box of flashlight powder which is like a fucking like a death wish yeah like, yeah I, I i can why was the match there uh, the kid i mean you weren't you an eight-year-old well, it was boy a dark did you room. ever play with fucking matches and it was a dark room so the kid's face explodes <laughs> and it's just like fuck and so um the everyone's like yeah He's definitely going blind. We're probably going to have to yank out one of those little roasted puppies that he used to call eyes. <laughs> and the other one was and not going to work. he's like, Daddy, Daddy, give me a reading, Daddy. And um, Daddy's like, okay, let's do it. And then he said something about tannic acid, which was unheard of at the time, and they used tannic acid. And he, he they said something about how he was like, oh, this must be Daddy's medicine because it doesn't hurt. And he... In six weeks, apparently the boy's sight was completely healed and restored, which is a good time. Does this clinic still operate? Uh, I don't know. In 1925 in Virginia Beach, he establishes his clinic. And 
he starts to give readings, and then it, apparently it gets really rough and hard for him. He used to do, like, two a day, and then he gets up to, like, nine or ten, apparently. And where he's, like, mentally exhausted from all this guessing. I don't know what you want to call it. His <laughs> oh, readings, if I, you will. I can't guess anymore. My mind is too drained. I've just guessed too much for today. Um, so, exhausted from all the readings, he died at age 45. How did he die? Like, of a stroke? Yeah, he had a stroke. Sorry, he died in 1945. He was way older than 45. He or at least he looked it. He left over 120,000 pages of readings and um, medical uh, advice, if you will, right? Um, and uh, that's where we meet John Pagano, who's the doctor that helps that helped this uh, lady fix her sight with the same sorts of methods that um, he used to help his son. John Pagano was a definite believer, or at least, you know, he found the readings interesting enough to utilize some of his, uh, um, I don't know what you call them, fucking methods? Yeah. <laughs> to utilize one of his, some of his methods. <clears throat> and then, of course, Robert Stack hires the, the haters, the non-believers, who talk, who explain pl- the placebo effect and all that kind of stuff, and the, the power of the mind and all that. And uh, Robert Stack ends with, He's been called a soothsayer. A soothsayer. That's a good one. Old timey. I don't think the Netflix reboot will use the word soothsayer. Um, or is he a prophet? I think he's full of shit. You want to know why? Because I just looked up <laughs> optic n- neurosis, and it's a condition that causes temporary vision loss. <laughs> it usually happens in one eye. <laughs> Uh, it's just a temporary thing that happens. Wow. Your, your eyes are restored. <laughs> he cured it. It's like, oh, you put some like barely acid and you didn't really hurt it, but you definitely didn't. Well, cure. no, was that just, was, like, that was for tired. the woman, for his son. He did the tannic acid. So she just went to a chiropractor and got her neck cracked. And just coincidentally yeah. at the same time, the optic nerve started responding again healing itself <laughs> <laughs> so edgar casey was he a prophet or was he full of shit so so the two blind people are in no way connected other than other than the chiropractor yeah. read his journals he's like oh, massage your neck and move it on and move on i'm <clears throat> edgar so yeah, no, I don't know. Is I, I I saw some people like tweeting about Edgar Casey. So I'm assuming there's still people that like try to practice his crap. Oh yeah, they're called but... the Essential Oil Crew. Yeah. <laughs> Measles vaccination? No, the 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 thieves in in cinnamon oil will fix that. Coincidentally, they're the same ones uh... that don't uh, vaccinate their children. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, well, essential oils is different than like crystals and shit. Like that. <laughs> I mean, at least like fucking like essential oils, like <laughs> no, yeah, I they work. I do, I do. I mean, they, you know, not like it's not like fuck. I'm not. I'm, I'm fucking. I'm gonna take a goddamn Tylenol. I have a headache. Yeah, but you know. Oh no, that's there's, that's there's some four things. drops I of I, lavender. I, I got like fucking nailed with a baseball one time. Um, right in the right in the top of the thigh, like uh, nailed with a baseball. This big fat kid. I was at my little cousin's baseball practice, and the this huge kid like threw it. And um, he's dainty. Um, and my cousin put something on me. It was like thieves mixed with that and that. And I I didn't bruise at all. It hurt like shit, but like I didn't get a bruise. Was it, was it fucking weird? Did they did they also coincidentally say sana sana colita de rana? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she did say that. Did they do some Mexican witchcraft on you? <laughs> it was Colombian. Colombian oh, oh. witchcraft. <laughs> All right, let's get Moving to the on. fucking interesting stuff, because these last two cases are good, like, true crime um, stories. Let's talk about Hollywood and Robert Stack looking over California. Hollywood, a dream factory of sleaze and filth. Hollywood, home of the Kardashians. If you pause, you can kind of make out a homeless man pissing on the corner in the background. (laughs) You know what else I found funny was that um, um, all of the like, 
all of like the videos and like the music and it, it was like from the fucking like roaring 40s or something you know what I mean did you notice that like, I didn't I didn't catch it was that. like Hollywood where dreams are made of and it was like a bunch of like sack saying it <laughs> like he made yeah it was like stock footage from like the fucking like you know not the 80s <laughs> yeah oh yeah, it is it's like jazz da, 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 da. yeah the music too like everything is like where the f- what's uh what's the big this band Hollywood Dream Factory, fantasies and myths and legends and blah bitty blue bitty boop. The, um, the Dream Factory is that the Crystal? strip club that Crystal worked at? No, it was called Wild Horses. <laughs> Wild Horses. <laughs> In 1982, 23-year-old Crystal Spencer moves to LA to make them dreams come true. She was gonna be a Star, a star I tell you. She was going to be a star. going to be a star. I'm going to be on the big screen. Hey, I tell you, the pictures. You know in the moving pictures. You've been looking for? Listen to this. Uh, I'm going to be in the moving pictures, you see? <laughs> You're going to be in the pictures. Yeah, she had a face for uh, cartoons, Rip. I would say. Um, I, I thought the, the strip club scene was tastefully done. Well, Taste- well see, all right, here's my thing. <laughs> the music was just so corny. I'm like, uh, like, like, even in 1990, I'm like, that's some corny ass strip music for then. I and it, like, there's, yeah, I'm, I'm only, pretty sure there was some local band that they just recorded uh, from their garage. I'm pretty sure they were playing some Def Leppard up in there, some Pour 80s hair metal. Some sugar on me. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, 23 year old Crystal Spencer was uh, raised in Yukai, California. And she moves to L.A. to pursue her dreams. She always wanted to be a star. Um, but apparently she only had minor success in a few bit parts. And two years into her L.A. dream, she becomes an exotic dancer. And she was super embarrassed uh, by it. Um, and, uh, you know, things weren't going the way she had pictured until she goes to um, a barbecue her someone invites her to barbecue and she's like, hopefully I can meet the right casting director or producer or whatever. And she meets Anton Klein. We learn from the reenactment that Anton Klein um, is throwing the barbecue um, because she's like, he's like, Hey, I'm Anton. And she's like, Oh, this must be your place. This must be your party. And he was a PhD candidate in history and a would-be screenwriter. I IMD beat him, and I think he was the co-writer with, like, three other people on one movie in, like, 1990. Um, But it it could be a different Anton Klein. So, side salad to his writing career. You got to give this guy credit. He did write one film. Coincidentally, that one film was based on his PhD thesis. Really? Yeah. That's factual? Is it the one about... What's that it called is factual. again? I looked it up. It's called like a Bridge of Davis or something like that. <laughs> I looked it up and it was, like, it was like... It had somebody's name in it. And there was a bunch of other screenwriters on it though. But it was literally based on his PhD thesis. So you gotta give the man credit. He took his college thesis and made some money off of it. Yeah. yeah. He tried to make her culture. Um, and, he and he also got him some credit too because he made some hard... Uh, Unsolved Mysteries catch, not only in the Talking Heads, but he also was in the reenactment. Do you think he got, got um, double paid for that? I hope so. He was in the reenactment. He wasn't. He didn't play himself. Yeah, he, he walks in on he the didn't? strip club all awkwardly. <clears throat> no, he didn't play himself. Him? No way. The The guy that they got to reenact him looked like the... That's not him? No, the, it looked like the principal from, uh, what's his... The Breakfast Club. I looked him up. I forgot his name. So she falls in love with the talented and um, uh, debonair and uh, smart Anton Klein. He introduces her to the finer things in life, classical music and fine art. And and, and, uh, um, and she... Ass play. And him really, really, <laughs> really took a liking to that like type of, uh, you know, that upper crust society kind of, those kind of things. Of course, he didn't know she was a stripper. Hell no. QT Pains, I'm in love with a stripper. I'm in love with a stripper. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, that is a song. Um, so four months later, he finds out that she's a stripper. But according to the, um, according to her friend, he was kind of he was super mad, but he accepted it and he was okay with it. He was just upset that he, he didn't know. 
Did any of you guys notice like how her friend like speaks as a talking head? Yeah, like a crackhead. Just... Like a talking crackhead. Um, according to the Unsolved Wiki, a former Miss America was interviewed for this case, and I was thinking, was it her? Was she, did she become a Miss America after that? So Anton, his neighbor was like, "Oh yeah, I saw your girlfriend like shaking up that booty up at that." Exotic dancing establishment, and he was like, "Wild horses." It it couldn't be. It couldn't be. And of course, it was. Apparently, she was also very shocked that Anton was so accepting of it. So May May Fourth of nineteen eighty-eight is the last time that Anton spoke with her. Did you notice he said spoke with her? With, like, that's the last time I spoke with her. It sounds like he's saying W I F, like with. With. Whiff. I take a whiff. I gotta, take a whiff of this fart. I, I farted it. I take a whiff. It's the last time I spoke with her. So May 4th, last time he spoke with her uh, of <laughs> 1988. So she was home with a cold and um, she was very excited about a job in the Orient. Come on, Robert. Yeah. Come on, Ryan. I mean, racist. She had, a, she had a new job in the Orient, and then Anton immediately, immediately explains, like, oh, she was going to Japan. It's like, can we go with that? <laughs> but I don't understand. Like, did a job opportunity open up, like, in the stripping world? Like, what brought, what was taking no, her to Japan? See, I'm thinking she was, like, she's probably going to be, like, some, like, uh, backup American dancer. Or even an act, like, an, an, act, an actress on a Japanese show that they just needed Americans, you know? Could be. Something like that. I wouldn't, that's what I'm thinking. Or maybe she was just like some backup dancer on a game show or something. I don't know. Was it going to um, be like on Seinfeld? She was very excited about the opportunity of going to, a, you know, experiencing a different culture, a place she'd never been to and all that kind of stuff. Um, and she was a little sick. He, she had a cold and then he left. And the next day he um, talked to her on the phone for 15 minutes and um, everything seemed normal. And that's the last time the last time he talked to her was on the phone the next day after that. So May 5th. And then after that, he couldn't get a hold of her. There was, like, a busy signal. He went to the strip club. No dice. Like, the people hadn't seen her. She hadn't punched in. Um, he assumed that she had left for Japan and, you know, just didn't tell him. Maybe it was super sudden or whatever. He says he was expecting a call. All excited. Her from Japan. Like, oh, yeah, it's super cool here. But instead, he got a call from the Burbank police. And that was May 13th. Like, you know, almost a couple weeks later. And her body was decomposed and she had been dead for a week. Was not just the 13th. It was Friday the 13th. Dun, dun, dun. That's why she died. I wonder if she was killed by Jason. <laughs> this is weird, too, because she had a cold. They they were like, oh, they believe that she had died of natural causes. Um, there was no drugs in her system, no alcohol in her system. No evidence of suicide. Uh, I f- think on a Reddit page they discussed that they discovered tr- minute traces of alcohol and marijuana in her bloodstream. Oh, well, that's me just about every <laughs> single second of every single day. <laughs> if I die, I want everybody to know. This is for all of the internet or, you know, the hundreds upon hundreds of people that listen to us. Thousands. Um, if I die, it's not because of marijuana or alcohol. <laughs> well, at least minute traces. Of, yeah, it's not because of marijuana. No, yeah, I shouldn't be saying that. I'm gonna go find some wood to knock on. Um, he smoked himself to death. That's a way to go, though. That boy right? smoked himself to death. No, unless it's like falls asleep with joint in hand, burns house down. Like you don't die of weed. Falls asleep <laughs> while driving. Crashes car into a ravine, drowns. Mm, okay, that could, maybe that could be of weed. Never mind. Don't don't Google it. You don't just, but you don't just fall asleep by just smoking too much. No, not me. He smoked himself. <laughs> That's not why. He smoked himself till he lost um, all his brain cells. He just shut down. That boy smoked himself to death. I remember when I was like. Before I ever started, whenever I smoked weed in high school, there was like a kid I knew who smoked weed, and I was like, "Oh, have you talked to him? He's like stupid now." <laughs> and I was like, 
And then after, like, thinking about it now, I'm like, what the f- No? Still friends with him today. He was on, he was on our podcast once. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. Oh, that's right. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, Anton's super suspicious, obviously. There's lots of things that don't make sense. Um, she, he says that she was found in a random corner of her apartment, whatever that means. She was nude from the waist down. And, um, that, okay, most fucking unvaluable players of the, of the episode. <laughs> Dude, seriously. Fucking, this, these people fucking oh. suck the shit. Yes. They Susan suck and the Jet shit Taylor? out of the shit. Oh, dude. They suck the shit out of the fresh one until it becomes like a, a shriveled up, the like, most old nineties like, couple. They're shit suckers, these people. The most nineties esque couple you will ever see on Unsolved Mysteries is right here, ladies and gentlemen. Dude, that curl, man. That curl. Dude, I bet you these people take off their shoes and socks on airplanes. Dude, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, dude, actually, yeah. I bet the, you they... The guy reminds me of this customer, his guest we used to have at Cheesecake Factory. He, he was an older dude. Kind of had the same kind of, like, curly, wet hair. He always wanted to sit in the same wet. booth. You mean oily? And uh, yeah, just that that moist look, <laughs> that like just permanent just, wet, just yeah. fresh out use, of the shower. Use, that, use the half bottle of Threats Florida is or whatever it is. <laughs> but dude, he yeah, looks like the dad from Step by Step. <laughs> what was his name, Patrick? Patrick something. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had, yeah. Anyways, uh, I bet you those people, dude. I bet you those people talk on speakerphone wherever they go. Oh, dude, and he would like he would yeah. We would give him the same booth, and he would take his socks and shoes off during dinner at the freaking restaurant. He would like, oh do, no, yeah, do fists with his toes. He was gross. Don't do that. Don't be those guys. I bet you both of them always take seafood leftovers. Like to work for lunch and just like stink up the whole place, and everybody hates them. Uh, I bet they ski with their jeans on. <laughs> Is that a thing that monsters do? I don't know enough about skiing. It seems dumb. <laughs> what are some other terrible things that make people terrible? The fish one's spot on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> They just uh, fish leftovers. Oh, go people that take elevators to the second floor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> when you have to go to like the fifty second. <laughs> Talk on speakerphone everywhere they go. <laughs> Dude, I hate people that do that. Oh my god, it's crazy. <laughs> That person that talks loudly at the airport about how important their flight is. Oh man, that's how you get in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) Susan Adkin Taylor. Let's Google that. Good rap. So these people suck on many levels, but the main reason we're gonna discuss in their suckery is because um on in the early wee hours of May seventh, um, you know, a week exactly a week before they found the body she was awoken by terrible screams of agony and what she described the sounds of torture by the way susan is the uh former beauty pageant oh really so yeah. she was she was a former miss like yeah she's got her, she's got her own like? wiki page she's from uh meridian mississippi so she was miss mississippi uh, mm-hmm Damn, she fucking sucks. Miss okay. Miss. Miss Miss. They didn't... <laughs> miss Miss. <laughs> so Miss Miss fucking sucks, dude. She sucks so much that Jetson had to divorce her ass in 1994. Oh, nice. Okay, but back to the story. So I get, I get why they were terrified, you know? Like hearing all these awful screams. But she wakes him up and then he's like... I immediately was very terrified, but didn't want to get. I immediately didn't want to get involved, and that's where they leave it. And it's just like you, this fucking scum. This dude has no backbone. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to get involved. Yeah, I couldn't pick up the phone and call the police, even though I heard somebody being tortured upstairs. Suck a dick, Jetson. I bet you when he Ubers, he like asks to like play his music. Oh, 
Yeah, so the neighbors didn't call the fucking cops. And they're, like, really proud, like, saying that, oh, when they found the body, you know, they um, they gave, they asked us our statement, and that's it. Like, they didn't have, like, like the look on their face, like, oh, maybe we should have done more. She does say something, like, doesn't she say, like, maybe she yeah. thought that maybe she might still be alive if she had called? Yeah. She's like, she I'll does never, say something. She says that, that she, and she does regret it. She says, I never, I don't know if I'll ever be able to, like, live with the fact that I didn't call the police. Yeah. It's so whack. Why the fuck wouldn't you? Dude, I, I called the police. I've called the, well, at least the non-emergency line because it's, like, really cold and raining and this dog is crying outside. And I'm like, man, I hear this dog every time and it's snowing or it's fucking raining. Oh, and I call, call the police station. Up. And they'll be like, we'll send animal control. I'm like, I think if I heard somebody screaming, I'd immediately be like, oh, yeah, this is what 911's for. I don't know. I don't know if I'd have yeah. a problem with that. Dude, I would, yeah. It would be startling for sure, but... So, of course, Anton and the family believe that she was murdered. Um, um, they didn't let him see the police records. The, they didn't let them view the body because it was too decomposed. Um, but in 1988, Anton gets the autopsy, and it's fucking weird. Oh, yeah, that I forgot. Our girl was 5 feet 2, and the autopsy said 5'7". Um, and it said that she was a, like, well-proportioned... Well, no, no, no. They used the words well-nourished is what they said. Well-nourished, <laughs> yeah. She was a well-nourished 140, right? Is that what it said? Something like that. And and in reality, she was about 50 to maybe even 60 pounds lighter than that. She was very, very small. Um, and he was like, whose fucking body is this? Like, he was so confused. And there's never really a clear answer on that. Um, one of the guys says, like, oh, you know, it could have been a clerical error or a documentary error, which is weird. Document error. Um, and then he says that, no, there was, like, fingerprints and things that confirmed that they definitely didn't autopsy the wrong body. So it's super weird. Um, and then another fucked up thing is when he was inquiring and calling the cops, um, when Anton was trying to find out some more information, one law enforcement official told him, uh, bad things happen to bad girls. And he was like, bad girls die of natural causes. And he was like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, just hung up on her like fucking dirty dick. <laughs> um, this is probably a, a bit of that. A, maybe a slight bit of that less dead thing we were talking about where it's just like, Oh, she was a stripper. So it's just like, it's, I mean, it's definitely not as bad as like a homeless or, uh, you know, prostitute and stuff like that. But it's like, it seemed like the cops weren't that worried. They're like yeah. ready to just wipe their hands of it and be like, okay, she, she was, she had a cold the day before. So it was natural. Let's move on. It's okay. She just undressed. Mm. There's a conflict, conflict of interest of the theory in that what it is, is at the time of her death, there was a FBI file on her as well as the guy who owned the strip club that she worked at. The owner of the strip club was a sheriff that was sent to, or was jailed for counterfeiting money and was ultimately killed by a hitman arranged by his business partner. They always do so, that, though. They always say they like, suspect they they suspect that uh, she might have been killed because she was an informant for the FBI. Now, there's no like solid proof to confirm this because the files have been sealed. Oh, okay, so this is that's a that's a stack pack update for you right there. That's not part of the episode, but so she was involved with like a a strip club owner with connections to the police who. Probably could have gotten away with murdering her if he ever had to or needed to, is what you're saying. Yeah, like the probable cause. Like this guy was running a, a an illegal drugs. gambling. Well, he was running an illegal oh, okay. gambling operation in a warehouse in Inglewood on top of secretly owning a bunch of strip clubs. Her ashes were spread out under the Hollywood sign and they had a private ceremony. And uh, that's it. We don't know. We don't know the specifics of who might have killed her still we don't even know if she was actually murdered but it's looking that way um yeah poor anton klein i wonder can't really find anything else about him i just kind of checked imdb to see like oh maybe he's like a successful screenwriter no no he was not but nope just that one film 
based on his PhD yeah. thesis. Kudos on him. Yeah, we'll never know what happened to the would-be starlet. She looked like she could have played uh, a Selena. best friend in a romantic comedy. You know what I mean? She she looked like a definite like character type. Like she would just be the uh, you know the quirky girlfriend of the side character or the lead actress's like you know friend or like a uh, male lady or something like that. You know, she had a very she kind of had a distinctive face. Yeah. Don't you agree? Uh-huh. So this last case of the day is a wild story, guys. Oh, man. Uh, I was waiting for the end. This one kind of had me in suspense the entire time. I was like, where's the story going? Yeah, and it doesn't let up. The update is just as exciting. Oh, I know. It's pretty crazy. Um, this is a wanted case. and um, So let me take you to Easter Sunday of 1990. The town is Coldwater, Michigan. Well, outside of Coldwater. Um, and we're talking about Ray and Marie Thornton for this bit of the story. Um, they were on their routine weekly country drive. They drove through the country uh, playing little adorable little cutesy games with uh, license plates and, and such. Um, when a rather angry seeming van hurley sped by. Um, as they were doing, making jokes out of license, license plate, she noticed the two first letters being GZ. And um, she just turned that into G's. G's, he's in a hurry. G's, he's in a hurry. I don't know. Um, and they were just like, that's just what we do. We didn't think anything of yeah. it. We're cute. He's cute. Um, that's me paraphrasing. They didn't say they're cute. I just think they're cute. So they don't think anything of it. And they're going down the road a little more. And they pass this abandoned schoolhouse. Um, and they notice a man with like a, like a big sheet covered in blood. Well, I should say Marie does. Um, she notices this man holding a sheet with like an obvious red stain of blood on it. And she's like very immediately like, oh, there's blood on the sheet. There's blood on the sheet. Um, the reenactment in this isn't terrible. I can't complain. I, cause it's actually them, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. They I don't think do so. a bad job. Cause they lived it. Yeah. They don't do a bad job at all. You think they'll do that in the new one? <laughs> <laughs> what get the real people to reenact i highly doubt it yeah but honestly with really good directors you can you can turn people who aren't actors into into really pro- powerful performances i mean gus van sant's done it before larry clark did it one time in kids and all the rest of his movies are garb but um yeah you can do that sometimes there's a couple of movies that are like that a uh, Florida project that got nominated for a bunch of Oscars last year. I think Willem Dafoe's in it, but there's like never saw uh, it. It's actually on Amazon Prime. I'm I'm gonna watch it soon. I know I am. Um, it's about like it's about this lady and her two kids, this young mom and her two kids living in a hotel, and Willem Dafoe is the manager of the hotel, and he kind of like puts up with it and like you know helps them out and stuff. But the the girl and the kids are just people that the director found really natural and apparently they're very good and they got oh. nominated for awards and stuff and i think the mom at least is an actress now crazy <clears throat> but yeah i mean with the right director <laughs> imagine if there was some artur like french surrealist guy doing the reenactments for unsolved mysteries <laughs> they might have been good who the fuck knows um sorry well i feel like but it didn't have to like do with unsolved mysteries i feel like they're getting better <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's true. They are getting better. That's true. Yeah. And the music never fucking sucks. The music is always great. I, I've watched oh, I know. this episode over the week like three times, and the, the the musical cues in this episode were growing on me a lot. Good stuff. Um. So, bloody sheet, and then once they keep driving a little bit more, they see the same van that passed them. It's in between a huge oil drum and the schoolhouse itself. So a little bit more down the road, they um, notice that this van is pulling up behind them and tailgating them um, for miles. Uh, and he wasn't letting up and they were getting scared. At one point in the reenactment, she's like, I'm going to start writing this down. And he's like, yeah, good idea. Um, so they turn off the highway and the van pulls off the side of the road right where they turn off, but it's still like on the highway. And they're like, I guess, psyching themselves up like, 
let's like go back. We'll drive by quick and see if we can get some more license plate numbers. Yeah, something like that. And so what they do is they bust a bitch. They turn around and they go by. And when they're driving by, they see this fucking guy out there on his knees changing the back license plate. And the um, the back of the car was open. Um, the back of the van was open where he was changing the license plate. And the side and the passenger door, front passenger door was open. And she said she could clearly see that it was covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I would have called uh, that. I would have rushed to the police and called the cops. But that's not. But that is not what the Thorntons did. <laughs> they went back to the schoolhouse to like find the find the sheet bloody sheet. To, like, make sure that they're not seeing bloody doors and, you know, I don't know. It's also, like, you know, don't – what could be going through their heads? Oh, if they just got done hunting, you don't put your dead uh, deer in, in, the in, the front, seat, in the passenger you know? seat propped up. Just to use the carpool <laughs> lane, you know. <laughs> that That's was, funny. That was a dad joke there, but uh, <laughs> I, I rather enjoyed hey, it. that made this dad laugh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, cool. So they, yeah, they went back. These fucking crazy galoots. So they walk back. She's like, kind of telling because she saw it. He didn't see. Uh, Ray didn't see um, the sheet. So she's kind of like, it was over here. And they see uh, this sheet covered in blood, partially stuffed into an animal hole. And um, that's when they were like, all right, fuck this. And they went to the police and called it in. And immediately. The area was um, cordoned off. And obviously, on this couple's routine Sunday drive, they came across evidence of a terrible crime. And what this crime was, now we're doing the backup. We're Tarantino-ing it and telling you the beginning of this tale. They witnessed the bitter, bitter end of the marriage between Dennis and Marilyn Depew. And let me just say, this guy's terrifying. Oh, he just looks creepy. Yeah, he just gets he's yeah. a, he's got a very rapey look. <laughs> there, yeah, there's there is a yeah. He has like sort of dead eyes. I'm, you this know. Uh, yeah, like kind but of there, monster of Frankenstein Frankenstein's monster vibe. Going yeah, on. exactly. There, there's a picture of him and his wife. Of Dennis and Maryland. And, and they, they both look really scary. Like, they both look miserable. Not even they're not even touching. They look it's it's very, very weird. That's one of the things that the daughter says who um their daughter is interviewed um as a talking head and she said it's not like they fought, they just didn't nothing. They didn't talk. They you know, they didn't say anything to each other. Um so Dennis was a property assessor and Marilyn was a high school counselor. So they had a pretty good job. Um, but after the kids were born, apparently he started to become withdrawn and started kind of becoming a monotone, just no emotion. And yeah. if it was, it was just angry withdrew from the family. Yeah. And if he did express any emotion, it was apparently what he he would tell her that he um, she was turning the kids against him and stuff like that. She want she wanted to get a divorce, citing that there was just no marriage there, just plain and simple. So in 1989, she actually got her wish. Uh, after 18 years of marriage, they divorced. Um, the lawyer says that she wanted to be more independent and that Dennis was super domineering. He let her keep custody and the property. The divorce was final in December of 1989. He had bi-weekly visitation rights for the kids, but the kids were creeped out by him. They didn't like hanging out with him. They didn't like spending time with him. Um, he would have to fight him to get him to, you know, come and hang out with them. Like, he would have to argue with them and stuff. Yeah, that's um, shitty. And he also, he also, like, had a deal where, like, okay, you can have the house, but he got to, like, use their guest house as an office, like a separate guest house. And Robert Stack says that this uh, let him keep control over the family. There's they don't really go into it more than that, but I guess cl- cl- close proximity. Yeah. So she changes the locks, but he would still be there. She would come home from work, and he would just be sitting on the couch, and she would just be creeped out by this. Her friend is saying that this really scared her, like because she clearly changed the locks. I, I love how they explain, like, oh, she changed the locks, so there was like no possible way, like. He could have gotten in and just like, 
uh, shimmy a window open, shimmy a door open. I mean, yeah, homie could have gotten ways. Well, I, I think it. Yeah, of course, there's ways, but it's the principle of it. It's just like purposely seating yourself there, knowing you're not supposed to be there, and just being comfortable and like. It's it's the principle. It's the principle of like of like fuck. Like this is over, and you're just still here. Um, it's scary. So Easter Sunday, nineteen ninety. Back to the day in question. Um, he Dennis shows up to pick up two of the kids. The daughter refused. She didn't want to have anything to do with him. Um, he was like making the son come with him, and he was like, you know, he was even saying like, no, like she doesn't have to go. And he was like, and Dennis was like, come with me. And it was, they got, they got into a scuffle. The wife was like, he doesn't, you know, in the reenactment is like, oh, you know, like let him choose, you know, he's old enough to choose. And then a a struggle ensues and he um, like grabs his wife and the, one of the worst lines in, in uh, reenactment history is, what does he say? Like, you're making everything terrible. (laughs) Oh, yeah, something like that. And he's like, I hate you. He tells her during the reenactment, I hate you. You're making things terrible. I hate you. You're ruining my life. (laughs) He says something. It sounds like a teenager. It's just like such a weird uh, the way he says it because it's yeah, like when you read it like that, it sounds like something that an angsty teenager would say, except for making things terrible. But um, coming out of like a man like who's like kind of has like an act like a, you know like life. a southern accent, you're making things terrible. And um, so he like grabs her <laughs> and then like pushes her down the stairs and it's like glunk kadunk kadunk and it's like what the fuck. And then he goes down there and it's off screen, but you see the kids looking down the hall and it just uh, looking down the stairs and it just seems like he just starts wailing on her, beating right? her, like, yeah, like kicking her. Like just like oh, it, it's. I mean, we're going for through the from the reenactment, so it's kind of hard to yeah say what really happened. Yeah, it did seem like that to me. I must say that pratfall that the uh, that the actress does going down the stairs is proper. Do you think that was a stunt woman? Oh yeah, stunt woman. So he pulled her up after like she not got knocked down the stairs, and he like kicked her or I don't know, maimed her somehow. He pulled her up and was like holding her by her arms and walked her up the stairs and just immediately said, uh, we're going to the hospital. You kids stay here. And the daughter says that her eyes were open, but she wasn't there. And she, she even said, she's like, mama. And she didn't even look up. So fucked up. Yeah. And um, he just took her out, said kids stay there. And immediately the daughter ran to the neighbors and called the, sheriff um, different daughter oh shit actually when she ran when she was kicked down the stairs the older daughter ran next door when she's yeah you're right yeah the sheriff had already been called like before pretty much yeah you're right we'll miss that part after she's down the stairs the daughter runs to the neighbors and the sheriff is called so they take off and the sheriffs are already looking and that's when the thorntons you know have their encounter with the van and see the sheet and all that stuff just uh around then the cops find several tire tracks and a pool of blood at the schoolhouse, and they immediately confirmed it was her blood and his tire tracks. A highway worker found the body, shot in the back of the head, and it was about halfway between their residence and the schoolhouse. The mom talks about how brutal it was to have her daughter murdered that way, you know, just but with such hate and stuff. And she talks about how how it would be so much easier if she died in a car accident or something like that. But that just wasn't the case. And how she yeah. just, and Dennis is obviously still on the run at the time of this case. And she wants Dennis found. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he starts sending letters, right. To a bunch of different people. He sent like 16 or 17 letters to a bunch of friends. Yeah. It's like, and they're all like kind of, justifying him murdering his wife. Yeah. He uses a bunch of Bible scriptures and just a bunch of Christian lingo stating that, you know, he had to take vengeance in his own hands, basically. Because sometimes the Lord is too busy to do it himself. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't tell if at the end if Stack said that he was using the Bible terms liberally or literally. And I'm like, I guess that depends. 
Is Robert Stack like an atheist? Lib- I think he said liberally. liberally yeah, I'm pretty sure it's liberal. I'm pretty sure it's liberally. But if he said literally, I'd be like, oh shit. <laughs> what Robert if it Stack's was an liberally, literally? <laughs> I mean, both. You know, it's one of those things like they don't mean the same thing, but both would work. Um, but I think he he did definitely say liberally, right? Like right. he was he was, he was quoting the Bible like fucking regular yeah. mother t- mother T, not to be mistaken with Mister T. <laughs> You know, everyone calls her Mother T. <laughs> so, yeah, this guy still, this guy was on the run. Um, they give a description of him. And they show more pictures. His creepy ass face. Six foot ugly. Had an ugly face. Ugly set eyes. Ugly haircut. Uh, apparently, the letters were postmarked from a lot of different states, right? So he was uh, moving Three. around at first. Three different states? Yep. One of the family members or friends says that she says something like the letters made it, the letters were written to make it seem like we were all being friends and family. We were all responsible for her death, for Dennis killing her. But and, and she was just like, it, it just it didn't mean anything to us. Like we didn't pull a trigger, you know. It's really weird, but he was, yeah, obviously fucking nuts and just boiling and boiling for years, right? Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to this uh, this next part, this in- Unsolved Mysteries Inception that we see. Yeah, this is pretty, oh, dude, it's pretty crazy. This is, like, one of the craziest, like, Unsolved Mysteries um, solved a case. Again, this 5,000-word rationalization, as uh, Robert Stack puts it, was sent to everybody. And that's where the original story ends. But uh, give me some of that. Un- give me some of that update music, fellas. Mm, yeah, baby. Oh wait, how does how does the the update music go? It's dude. You guys are doing it. No, I wasn't. I was, that- I was there. I don't know. I just <laughs> update. But they don't even say update, really. They, no, they, they don't. Uh, they just move into it. All right. Let, well, I guess, you know, they edit these for Amazon, but they're like, let's just tell the people what happened. It immediately goes to, like, it's a new case, and it's like, the night of our broadcast, 8.30 in the morning, morning, <laughs> Mary, not Mary, we'll call her Mary, you know how we do, Mary, not Mary, arrives home. Um, her home is outside of Dallas, Texas. I wonder where this was really at. Oh, yeah. You'll never know where Mary, not Mary lived. Oh yeah, um, I will. I bet you it's I bet you we could find Mary not Mary's name now. Oh no, um, for sure. But she arrived at she arrived at home after work outside of Dallas and her boyfriend Hank Queen um was already home and his truck was in the driveway, which she thought was weird cuz she he usually parks that big bad boy in the garage. She walks in and her boyfriend tells her that he's got to go. He's got to leave town. His mama is real, real sick, and he's got to get the fuck out of town. Um, he, like, wishes her into the kitchen and is like, oh, could you make me some road sandwiches? Give me some sandies for the road, sweetheart. Um, I'm going to pack, and i got to get out of here. And she's like, this is suspicious, but whatever. Um, so he's getting clothes out of the closet. He packs. Um, she's asking, like, Oh, what do you want to drink? And then he's like, oh, just uh, sodas. It, it, it just seems like he's trying to keep her out of the living room, maybe, because uh, Unsolved Mysteries is on TV. <laughs> That's weird that he would um, keep so it on. He, I would have changed it. Yeah, but see, this is all just what she thinks. She's I'm like, I think he was honey, keeping me out of the living honey, room because of this. Could he put it on Unsolved Mysteries? It's on tonight. It's our show. We gotta it's watch all them, We got to watch all them It would be weird people. if it wasn't on, you know? It would be weird if that music wasn't blaring. Um, so he gave her a kiss on the cheek and she was like, give me a hug. And then he busted out and took the fuck off. And she was like, I knew I'd never see him again. Um, and then like just later that night, she fucking learned, I guess somebody called her and was like, yo, your dude is a, you know, a wanted for murdering his wife. Your man's is on television and not for a good reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so she thinks he was watching Unsolved Mysteries and was purposely keeping her out of the room. So cut to uh, a Louisiana State trooper who spots this van. 
And the van uh, license plate was immediately uh, given to the police. Um, someone called the Unsolved Mysteries tip line and had a license plate for Jaboy. And so they were immediately looking for him, APB. Um, a Louisiana State Trooper spots him. A uh, 15-mile high-speed chase ensues. Um, he rams through two police barricades. And then um, um, after they're like, I guess this third barricade, they're like, you know what? Take his tires out. They aim for the front, get his back. He comes skidding to a halt. And um, he starts shooting out his window like, you'll never take me alive. Oh, man, this is so exciting. Shooting at cops and shit. And then he just turns the gun on himself and kills himself. Can we can we rewind back to how sad Mary not Mary's sandwiches were? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it was like turkey and like mayo on both sides, right? Yeah, yeah. And no cheese, no bread, tomato, no lettuce, no lettuce, no nothing. It was just not even. Yeah, not even fucking cheese. Like God, that's like not even like a lunchable bitch. <laughs> no wonder he left her. <laughs> That's the reason he left her. It's not even it's not even a lunchable. If she if she had made a good sandwich, he would have taken her with him on the run. <laughs> Listen, I killed my wife. You're coming with me. I promise I won't kill you. You're too valuable. You make an excellent Can we sandwich. Back up and talk about her sandwiches. Her lack of culinary cuisine. Dude, yeah, I don't want your fucking like wet ass mayo on both sides and like one shitty piece of like turkey. <laughs> so, so this cop who like is telling the story about the whole shootout and chase is like it was really an odd thing to like have been watching unsolved mysteries and then like we get in this whole chase and all the shit ensues and then we go and look at the guy and then the dead guy in the car and it's the guy that I just saw on TV. <laughs> yeah, that's it like so it weird. was pretty fucking weird. Yeah, that like is pretty that gnarly. Be, I saw him the other day and here he is dead today. Prophetic words, brother. Prophetic. <laughs> um Yeah, dude. So here today, dead tomorrow. And as he wrote to his fucking family, an eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. My life for you, Cibola. Okay, I went into the stand. Sorry. Um. <laughs> Cibola. Yep. So um, that dude's dead, real dead. So he was definitely uh, Randall Flag. Real, real dead. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Terrifyingly scary man who was. What just was his like name? Dupree. Dennis Depew. Dennis and Marilyn Depew. D e p u e. Dennis and Marilyn Depew. Um, yeah. So apparently, as soon as those kids were born, he was just a sullen, emotionless guy who was just boiling and boiling. Um, we we didn't mention his friend who they like. Oh yeah. In. His his work friend was like, yeah, it was just one day he mentioned um, suicide and murder. He was a character, huh? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and he didn't say anything. And then and then he's one of the guys who got this letter, one of the letters. I just thought it was so weird. One day yeah. he uh, mentioned suicide. Yeah, yeah. He mentioned murder. killing his wife one day. Didn't think he would go through with it, you know? And murder. <laughs> I think that's the one. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so we have a lot of people that didn't call the cops when they should have on this episode. <laughs> yeah, that that is a running thing for sure. So I just read this. I don't know how I I just Googled the guy. Um, and apparently this real life serial. Well, they call him a serial killer. He didn't really wasn't a serial killer. Real life killer inspired the movie Jeepers Creepers. Dude, that makes sense. The first time I saw this, I was really th- I was thinking of Jeepers Creepers. Um, it was it's an abandoned well, church why. in Jeepers Creepers. Justin, so Long. the beginning was inspired by Jeepers Creepers. I'm sorry, Appar- the the whole thing. Jeepers apparently. Creepers was inspired by this case. Yeah. Well, it's just the beginning. <laughs> but yeah, because at the beginning, there's a truck chasing the kids. That's right. And they literally see they see a guy 
Oh, I that movie really affected me when I when it came out. I liked it. I don't know if it would stand up. The ending is really fucked up too. I think it it was one of the first horror movies that I that really had a fucked up ending that I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, it's really creepy at the beginning of Jeepers Creepers because they're being chased by this truck and then it zooms past them and then they pass <laughs> yeah, they pass the church and they just see this guy lumping like wrapped up bodies into like a like a deep hole like just bloop and they're just like wait what the fuck and then when they go <laughs> down there when they go back they go into the hole and it's just like a 20 foot ceiling just covered with bodies and body parts oh my gosh wow i that's actually you know maybe i like that movie um <laughs> but it's hard because that movie was directed by a fucking pedophile so i don't know wait who who directed that movie some those fucking he directed Powder, and Jeepers Creepers, and his first movie Clown House. It's a slasher movie about a thirteen-year-old boy and his brother being tormented in a in their own house by a clown. I guess what? the director was like having sex with this thirteen-year-old boy. Ooh. Like he, he would use the cameras after and like film shit. Like no, thank and, you. And years later. He went and directed Powder for fucking Disney. And, like, he had it. And then Jeepers. Like, this was, like, in the late 80s. And he went on to direct other movies. It's fucking weird. And um, another weird thing about that fucking whole story is that um, they fired fucking James Gunn for some bad joke tweet. And he's that's a Disney movie, Gardens of the Galaxy, but yep. they made powder with a fucking convicted child molester. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Different time back then, I guess. He couldn't get in trouble. There was no uh Or there just wasn't the internet. Like people yeah. forgot I get like Disney said that they when they hired him for powder that they just didn't know. Like it's such a that was a different time. You know? Yeah. For sure. But he just directed, like, Jeepers Creepers 5. This guy's still fucking working. Fuck him. I wish I knew his name so we could say fuck him. That's ugly. Victor Salva. Yeah, Victor Salva, dude. Victor Salva is a fucking... Victor Salva, convicted fucking child molester. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Um, Still working. Yeah, that's not an unsolved mystery. That mystery is solved. That guy's a piece of shit. Um... Interesting that that's the inspiration for Jeepers Creepers. I mean, it's what I thought. It's exactly what I thought when, when I in the reenactment when they're driving by and he's got the sheet up, the bloody sheet, and she's just like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> I was just like, "Ooh, Jeepers Creepers!" I remember watching that movie with my dad, and he was like, "That's this is fucking stupid." <laughs> At the end, when his eyes are cut out, and you know, where'd you get those peepers? Yeah. He was like, "That was fucking stupid," and I was like, "Oh, it was metal." <laughs> and I went and listened to Nickelback. And... <laughs> Terrible. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we'll be back next time with uh, season three, episode twenty-one. Well, I think Ooh. there's like twenty-three in the season, right, or twenty-four? Twenty-two episodes. Twenty-two episodes. Twenty-two. That's it. Mm-hmm. Season three. Mm-hmm. Thought there was more. Cool. 22. So, um, yeah, guys. Thanks for hanging out. This was a fun one. Uh, glad we yeah. could be with you. Um, no lost loves, no lost loves, no treasure, no like case. It's too confusing. Cause it involves like embezzlement and like, <laughs> you know, something like that or some sort of like accountant or tax schemes and things of that nature. Just some good old fashioned mystery. And, um, yeah. Uh, thanks for hanging out guys. Uh, stack pack on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys know our handles, you guys don't need our handles. I'm David Howell. Yeah, I'm Eli Dominguez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dan. And that's just Dan. Road Dan. Big Bad Final Dan and Road Dan. Maybe it just works. Do you know what's going on next week? Um, let's see. Our first case is about a pilot who is a observer during nuclear tests, gets radiation poisoning, and then disappears. Um, some people suspect that he got recruited into a like a secret operation and just disappeared. Some people think he just vanished and deserted the government. Um, kind of cool. Uh, let's see. After that, we have some, I think it's like a fox.
How's your baby sing? About some lost love. <laughs> oh. Oh, what a downer. The first one's good. Like the first one was like, yeah, and then. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Um, yeah, tweet at us if we should just skip Lost Love. Let us know. I don't think we're not changing. You know, we're not gonna delve anymore into like, you know, Betsy Sue's long lost brother. I mean, he went missing in 1945. At best, he's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> All right, guys. For every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is listening, and perhaps that someone is you. Bye. 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 Oh,